0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, God's Storyboard, Part 2. Enjoy. I need you to connect with the Holy Spirit and give Him your full attention because we're going to have a good time, okay? And we want to get through this, and uh, I trust that that everything that He wants to do is going to take place, so let's come together as His sons and daughters. Father, we love you, and we lean our whole person on you, our whole personality. We give you our whole selves this morning, and we thank you that you've got us covered. We don't have anything to be worried about. And when we're sleeping, you're actively working on our behalf, causing things to work out for the good of those who love you and accomplishing the things that concern us Holy Spirit, take full advantage of this time. Do what's in your heart to do and say what's in your heart to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you haven't realized it yet, we're not a traditional church. Um, I've had enough of that, personally. And I want fresh, hot Jesus... When I sit down at the table and when I come to a church, I'm not interested in tradition, it's a dead end. I'm not interested in man's philosophies and seminary doctrines. I'm interested in experiencing the risen Christ in my daily life. And thank God for our pastors, Jonathan and Verna. If you weren't here last Sunday, please listen to the message. Um, They're just uh, excellent uh, people. And they have that spirit, spirit of a father on them. And, uh, but prior to last week, we started something. I've, I'd like to continue on that. I feel this is where the Lord wants us to go. We, we called it God's storyboard. This was two weeks ago, and so we're going to continue with that today, and maybe we'll finish today. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But I'm not worried about it. We talked about God's storyboard, and it was after my family and I just watched the Disney animated classic Lady and the Tramp. And uh, how many people in here have never heard of Walt Disney? I remember as a kid when I discovered that was actually a person. I thought it was a park or a company. I said, oh, that was a person? So there's no one in this room who's never heard of Walt Disney. How many people in here have never seen a Walt Disney film? Wow. You know why that is? He is a master storyteller. Man, could he tell a story. And see, there's something special about a story. It, it, it rises up and goes over cultural lines and boundaries. And it surpasses the boundaries of the generations. It fills in the generation gaps. And he had that skill of just uh, of telling a story. And he told some great ones But I want you to know there's there's a story that needs to be told and it is the greatest story that's ever been told and you know what that is? It's the story of God's love for you. It's the greatest story you'll ever hear. And the Holy Spirit wants to tell you this story. He wants to bear witness in your heart to the destiny that the maker of heaven and earth has prepared for you. So we talked about this process of storyboarding that really in the Disney studios, they took it to a whole new level. And it's this idea of taking a vision that's inside of you and producing images, a series of images that communicate that vision to the world around you so that others can see what's inside of you and can enjoy it, experience it, and run with it. And in storyboarding, you use two things. You use images and you use words. Images are very powerful, aren't they? What's the saying? Uh, A picture is worth a thousand words, right? Words are actually more powerful than images. But when you take both words and images and combine them, you've got exponential power. Well, John 1, 1 says Jesus is the word of God. And he's also the image of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter one, verse three. So in order for God to tell you his story, he has to give you his word and he has to give you a clear image of himself. Because if your image of God is distorted, your image of yourself will be distorted. If your image of God isn't clear, your image of your future will be unclear. God's given us both. His word in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus, John 1.1. Hebrews 1.3 says this, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. I like that word express. How many people like espresso? Spelled differently, but I just thought of espresso. (laughs) It's a concentrated coffee drink. Express image of his person. Now, the origin of that word comes from two words X, EX, which means out, and pressare, which means to press, to squeeze and press out. Jesus is the express image of God. So, if God were in a tube and you squeezed him, Jesus would come out. <laughs> It's from the Latin, which means distinctly, clearly presented. God expressed himself through his son. Give you some more definitions of this word it means revealed, manifested, evidenced, framed. Like a picture. God framed himself through his son. It means expeditious, nonstop, uninterrupted, undeviating, unswerving, and direct. Jesus is the revealed image, the manifested image. The undeviating, uninterrupted, nonstop, unswerving, direct image of God. God gave us his word and his image so that his storyboard and the storyboard of our life and our destiny would be very clear. It wasn't clear before Jesus came. There was a lot of confusion about God before Jesus came. It was never meant to be that way, but when man separated himself from God, man became very confused. And the only thing that could change that was for God to come into the earth in the flesh and communicate and express himself with perfect clarity through his son. And he did that. So as we stare at Jesus, have you ever been to an art museum? Man, there's, I mean, you could just stare at a masterpiece for days. And and the longer you stare at it, the, the more you appreciate it. And as you look at it, you start to feel the time it took to create it and the skill involved in preparing it. And even the frame of it is beautiful. So when we stare at Jesus, there are two things that become very clear to us. The nature of God and the meaning of our lives. Jesus is God's storyboard. Jesus, God took the vision in his heart of how much he loves us and what he wants to do in our lives. And he put that in his son and sent him to earth so that we can stare at him and see clearly God's love for us. Jesus is God's storyboard, but there's another storyboard that he has and that's you and your future. But they're connected. You can't separate the two. You can't fulfill your destiny if you're not staring at Jesus. He doesn't mind. You go ahead and stare at him. So first he revealed God's nature to us and even today there's still a lot of confusion because Jesus oftentimes isn't what's preached in churches but man's religious ideas. What did Jesus reveal to us about God's nature? That God is truly good. That God will never hurt you. That God will never do something manipulative to you that he doesn't play head games, that he doesn't say one thing one day and the opposite the next, that he doesn't do something good for you on Monday and then hurt you on Tuesday. Why do people think like that? Because that's what the messages they've been listening to. They've heard that from, from dark spirits and unfortunately from people with seminary degrees. Let's be real. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Is God a good father? Let's just be honest. If 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 I'm a shepherd and I inject my livestock with uh, muscular dystrophy to teach them a lesson, am I a good shepherd? I'm an evil, twisted pervert. Why are ministers telling people that God put that disease in your life to teach you something? How nuts is that? It's nuts. It's nuts to the max. God would not be good if he put sickness in your life to teach you something. If he's doing that, I don't wanna know him. I don't wanna ever be around him again. I don't wanna sing about them, I don't wanna think about them, I'm gonna do my own thing. How can I worship a God like that? Who's gonna love me today but tomorrow take one of my loved ones in a tragic accident? Jesus revealed to us the nature of God. You dig in the scriptures and you go through the gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts and you find me one person that Jesus didn't heal who came to him and believed. You find me one person that he told that junk that so many are telling people today that God put a sickness in your life to teach you something. You won't find one example of that because that's not who he is. If you're thinking like that, if you're believing that stuff, you're never going to fulfill your destiny. God is your healer, not your herder. He doesn't inflict pain on you. He did that on his son. All the pain that needed to be inflicted for us to be whole was given to his son. He's good. He's our healer. He doesn't put tragedies in our lives to humble us. My goodness. No one in their right mind would do that. And God is in his right mind. Right? Right? Don't ever believe such darkness, it will cripple you. You can't have real faith if you're believing something like that. How can I trust him, right? If he took my child in an accident, how can I pray to him? I loved my child, didn't I? I guess maybe, I don't know, I I don't know what to think. Maybe God, didn't love my child or maybe I don't know maybe God doesn't value children I could start trying to rationalize it or, or maybe God wanted him as a, as a statue on his living room shelf or something all kinds of goofy stuff that people are told because man doesn't understand the darkness of this world and the light of Christ hallelujah hallelujah the nature of God is revealed to us through Christ, not religious theology. Soon as someone tells me they have a degree in theology, I don't say anything. But inside, I'm like, oh, I want to pray for you. <laughs> Why? Because man's theology isn't theology. It's not the study of God. Usually, it's the study of what man says about God. And that won't help you. You need it direct, express. The second thing you see when you study Jesus, and don't take my word for it, you you study Jesus this week. You see how good God is for yourself. And you'll find that so many of the things that ministers are saying don't line up with the person of Christ. I'm going with him. The second thing we see when we stare at Jesus is how valuable we are. And the significance of our existence. When you stare at Jesus, you'll begin to value and appreciate yourself. What was that? It's like God's iPhone or something. Right on cue. Yeah. When you stare at Jesus, you will begin to appreciate and value yourself. The quality of you will be realized because he made you. I used to like, as a kid growing up, I liked to draw. My dad would do doodling, and I, I liked to draw. And one of my favorite comics was Peanuts. Uh, Charles Schultz was uh, one of the guy, of the guy who created Charlie Brown. But I remember getting different books, and, and they would show whether it was you know Disney animators or or Charles Schulz, or and they'd show how they start drawing their characters and their figures. And it's funny, and if you've ever seen it, you know they'll just kind of do like one of these on the paper. And it's just like a shape. Maybe it's a circle or an oval. But it's not real neat and clearly defined. It's just kind of like, you know, rough. It's like a rough sketch. And then maybe they'll draw like a line like this. And you keep watching them. And, and, and what starts as a rough sketch becomes a very clear hey, picture. What is- wow. <laughs> that might be the audio coming out of that computer. Is that what it is? Right? if you're not staring at Jesus your life is going to look like a rough sketch it's not going to make sense the, the, the what you've been called to do is not going to be clear the purpose and meaning of your life is not going to be clear it's going to look kind of like you know shapes and lines and I mean gotta kind of squint to figure out what your life is about. But when you begin to behold him, what used to look like a rough sketch turns into a masterpiece. Let's go to Matthew chapter ten. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Here. Don't you love this, what the Holy Spirit's doing this morning? Hallelujah. Matthew ten thirty seven. If you're not staring at Jesus, if you haven't given your whole self to him, you have to squint to figure out what your life's about. Matthew 10, 37. Jesus, the masterpiece, God's storyboard, Says this, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, is going to be squinting through life. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life, he who thinks his rough sketch is it, is going to lose the masterpiece I prepared for him. He who has found his life shall lose it and he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. If you haven't lost yourself in Jesus, you can't see yourself clearly. Put the message up of verse 39. If your first concern is to look after yourself, You'll never find yourself. Put your selfie stick away. Get you a Jesus stick. But if you forget about yourself and stare at me with a steadfast, expectant gaze and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Love that. If you look at me, you'll find both yourself and me. When you give your whole self to Jesus, your whole self, nothing back, you're not holding anything back, your whole person, every dream, every desire, every hope, every longing, every longing, when you give your whole self to him, a process begins from rough sketch to uh, defining and clarifying and unveiling and colorizing your destiny. I like seeing that process. I've looked at it online many times and over the years where they show an animator start with a rough sketch and then, you know, it has the whole picture done and then starts filling in the lines and then light comes onto the picture and, and a color fills in. That's what it's like walking with the Lord. Color starts rising in your life. You begin to see things you couldn't see before. Lines that were blurry become clear. And all of a sudden you start to see this masterpiece of your destiny unfold. And only he can do that but you got to give yourself to him. Let the master work on your masterpiece. Is he, is he trustworthy to finish what he's begun in you? Is he going to change his mind about you because of the mistake you just made for the 77th time? No, he's not. God's not looking at your mistakes. He's looking at, at how, how valuable you are to him. Your mistakes mean nothing to God. He loves you too much. So if God's not focused on your mistakes, you stop focusing on them and start staring at him. Now, are you doing okay? Are you still awake? I'm just kind of lost in his presence up here, so you have to, I don't know, make sure i um, Making sense. <laughs> Romans ten seventeen. Now I'm gonna say something that might freak you out. Is that okay? It's nothing new, right? That's what I do. Faith in Christ, this isn't what freak you out, I'll get to that in a moment. Faith in Christ. Trusting in him with every detail of your life, which is what giving your whole self to him is, right? I'm not gonna try and make these things happen anymore. I'm gonna lean my whole person on you and just walk with you, right? When you begin doing that, it activates the fulfillment and completion of your destiny. It gets that whole process rolling. Now, here's what I'm gonna say that, that might freak you out, but I'll, I'll fix it. How does faith come? Hearing what? Someone said the word of God. Ooh. Hearing the word of God will not produce faith in you. This is the shocking thing that I was gonna say. I'm gonna clarify it a minute. So don't run out. Yeah. Let's read Romans 10:17. Put it up there. So then faith then what's it mean faith? Faith in who? In God, right? In Christ. Right? Now, you know that faith whatever you're giving credence to, you'll begin to put your faith in it, right? We all have faith. It's just what we, de- what we decide is valuable, What's, what words we're hearing, whether it's uh, from the news media or the tea that's going around, whatever you decide is, is credible and valuable, that's what your faith's going to be in, right? This isn't automatic. You have to choose to put your faith in God, right? It says faith comes, this is the King James, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I just told you faith doesn't come by the word of God. What's wrong? We seem to have a contradiction here. Well, technically it does, but I want to show you something. That word translated G-O-D into King James. You know the Bible wasn't written in King James. A lot of denominations would get mad at me for saying that but it wasn't. It was written long before King James was ever a, a toddler. The New Testament was written in Greek. That is the inspired scriptures. Now thank God for the English translation to heaven. And, and as I said, you need a hard copy Bible if you're gonna fulfill your destiny. It is not optional. You have gotta get in this book and read it till it it's fills up your heart, it's flowing out of your mouth. And, 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 and impacting and affecting everything you do. You need a hard copy Bible. This is the word of God. But we know that this, this literally is just paper and ink. That Jesus is actually the word of God. This is the written word of God. And, and it's inspired by God through the hands of men. But listen. This has gone into English in many translations. And language, you know, in five years the terms we're using now are going to change the only way you can really understand this book is by the Holy Spirit opening your understanding through the person of Christ. So in the Greek, it actually says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christos. Who's that? The Messiah. Now, what's the difference? Well, now, obviously, Jesus is God, so that's not wrong. I'm just kind of funning with you. Jesus is the word of God, so that's right. But there's something, God can be a very generic term. Everyone can talk about God. But when you start talking about Christos, Jesus Christ, now we've gone from foggy to very clear. So in other words, my faith is not going to grow by some kind of foggy concept of God. My faith is going to grow when I begin staring at the masterpiece of his son. I'm going to be, begin to clearly understand his nature and the meaning of my life. Now, this is a big deal because by and large, and you know, I, I, uh, it's just good to recognize our, the historic progression of the gospel. But by and large, in the church as a whole, around the globe and in here in America... Christos is not what's been preached. Enough. You'll get a little bit of Jesus and then a law of law and legalism. Do you know that law will produce zero faith in you? Now, listen, this book is a big book, right? 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 66 books of Revelation. But the purpose of this book, this also God's word, is to reveal Christ and his salvation to you. So when we read this book, I mean, you know, you you can't, the Bible takes time to to, to understand the wholeness of it. It's an amazing book, there's no book like it. But you've gotta understand there's stuff in here that is is, uh, ideas that people said that were not true. There, there's real life accounts of people's conclusions about God in here that are erroneous. I'm not saying the Bible's not true, the Bible is true and everything in here is truly recorded but you're gonna see bad attitudes in here. You're gonna see people killing other people, people worshiping idols, sacrificing their, you're gonna see all kinds of garbage in here that is not God's will. So that doesn't mean we throw out the Bible, we have to understand what's going on here and we have to keep it in context as we read it. And I bring that up, and I say this regularly because we need to come out of this law mindset because a law, mind, a law mindset will trap you, but a mindset of life will set you free. When people think of the Bible, they think of the law instead of the love of God because that's the way it's been presented, and that's, that's just a misrepresentation of this book. We know that from the genealogy, the most accurate genealogy of any race, any nation or people group is recorded in here. And we can trace the genealogy from Adam to present day and figure that we've been on earth about 6,000 years since Adam. And the Mosaic covenant or the Mosaic law wasn't given to man until about 1496 BC. That's about 2,500 years of history without the law. And that's when the powerful stuff happened. When Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he was saved by grace. What am I saying? You'll see all throughout this book pictures of Jesus even before he came to earth. Even in the garden, when, when, when God cursed Satan, he prophesied of his son coming. He said, you're going to bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. So you'll see images of Jesus from Genesis on. And we see uh, Abram, who grew up in a family worshiping pagan idols. God speaks to him, and he follows him. He leaves his pagan tradition. There was no law, no Ten Commandments, This is 430 years before it was ever given. He's walking with God. God's speaking to him and he's following. And Abraham, God fulfills his promise to Abraham. He gets a son that he's wanted for so long. And and then he offers that son up to God. On the same mount, Mount Moriah, that God offered his son. So we see these pictures of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. But the law didn't come in until about 1496 BC and was only in effect for less than, less than 1,500 years. That's less than 25% of our time on earth. Why is that what's being preached? Let me give you an example of, of what the, the, the law, will the law produce faith or will words concerning Christ produce faith? In other words, when we read, 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 When we read the Bible, we're looking for words on each page that will give us a clear picture of Christ. All right? So if I say to you, thou shalt not lie, does faith rise in your heart? Of course not. Thou shalt not murder. Woo, I'm getting excited now. This is awesome. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Woo! I'm not mocking the law. I'm mocking the idea that the law produces faith. The New Testament teaches us the law cannot produce faith. The law cannot change you. What is the purpose of the law? Because man's heart became so hard and stubborn, they rejected God. They thought they could do it without God. He had to give them the law on Mount Sinai because of the hardness of their heart and their rejection of him. What was the purpose of the law? To show them their need for salvation, their need for Jesus Christ, their need from their life to go from a rough sketch to a masterpiece. That's the purpose of the law, to point us to Christ. None of us can keep it. In our own strength. No one ever has except Jesus. No one ever has and no one ever will except Jesus. Now when you're born again, you receive his nature, these things become automatic. You begin to walk in the holiness of God. It's not, it's not all at once, but it's a process, and you begin desiring the things that God desires and doing the things that God does, and there, you don't want it anymore. Right. You end up living a righteous life not by trying to obey the law, but by staring at Christ. Hallelujah. Now, what if I sow those things, right? Thou shalt not steal doesn't produce faith in you, right? Thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. Thou shalt not lie. Now, let me say some words of Christ to you. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, what happened to your heart? Say, what? Your heart starts going, right? How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. What's going on in your heart? Right? Faith is being activated. It's the words that teach us what Christ, who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. That's why we read this book. Not to be goody two-shoes. Not, try, not try, to try and be more right than some other group. We read this to experience Christ. Himself bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. Words concerning Christ, right? God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that in him you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You hear, the, you hear those words concerning Christ, faith begins to rise up in you. These are the kind of words you want to have flowing in your mind and your heart daily. That's why we're doing this book for get-togethers. Man, come to a get-together and get fed. We do great Bible studies, we having tremendous testimonies, uh, whether it be healing or provision or lives changed, thinking changed, depression gone, whatever it is, just simply by studying the scriptures. And when you can find someone who teaches you Jesus like he does, it's a treasure. You can't get that from every ministry. So we uh, we look for ministries like Joseph Prince Ministries, Andrew Womack Ministries, that are gonna give you fresh Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Faith is being sure of how much God loves you. Faith is being 100% certain that he's for you. I mean, you're absolutely convinced that he's for you now and he will always be for you that if you're ever in trouble, he's there. He comes running. We just watched uh, the Karate Kid, uh, the newer version. I never saw that one. I like the original better, but new one was fun. But there's a scene where the little guy, forget his name, is getting picked on by bullies. And this bully goes to punch him and all of a sudden his hand reaches in, poof, stops the hand. When you're sure that God is a very present help in trouble, that's faith. He's abundantly available for help in tight places. This is who he is. This is what faith is. So when you start living by faith, Your story goes from low resolution to high definition. And your whole life is different when you're living by confidence in him. Your whole life, you make decisions differently. You respond to people differently. You respond to circumstances. Because God is for me, no one can be against me. In other words, nothing can stop me from fulfilling my destiny because I've got him on my side. He's got my back. He's got my sides. He's gone before me. He's a shield all around me. He's my high tower. He's my fortress. He's my garrison. He's my bulwark. And he's guarding my mind. And he's guarding my heart. And he's working all things out for my good. And he's accomplishing the things that concern me. I'll never fear again. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lady and the Tramp (laughs) took about 10 to 12 years to make. As we watched the special features about this master storyteller, they said that was not uncommon for Disney. Some of his films took decades. Decades. Why? Because the master's always committed to his masterpiece. He's fully committed to the fulfillment of the vision inside of him. And God is fully committed to the fulfillment of your destiny. He's fully committed to your successful outcome. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. This is the master talking. He says, for I know the masterpiece I've prepared for you. The plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to shalom is the Hebrew word. It means to prosper. It means wholeness. It means well-being. Plans for your wholeness and prosperity. Not to harm you. Why would you ever think that God would harm you or it harm one of your loved ones? Plans to give you hope, confidence, and a future. The message translation, one of my favorite renderings of this verse, says, I know what I'm doing. I'm the maestro. I have it all planned out. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. I don't know. This is one of my favorite things about God. As I spend time alone with him, things are uncovered in my heart that I realized were there before I was in my mother's womb. And I go, wow. And he's been moving me in that direction and I didn't even realize it. Philippians 1 6 in the Amplified. And I am convinced. That's faith. Faith is convinced. You can't talk faith out of anything. I'm convinced and I'm sure. And when someone comes and says, Well, what about this? What about that? That's because they're not in faith. Faith is convinced. Faith is sure. If you're not convinced, get convinced today stare at Jesus I'm convinced and sure of this thing that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you man I need a coach like that wow That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's your coach. Making sure that you get to the Super Bowl and you win it. Go Pats. Should be a good game today, huh? Playing the, uh, who are we playing? The Ravens. Those scavenger birds, right? The message translates. That's what a Raven is. It's a scavenger, so. They eat dead things. Uh, Philippians 1 6 in the message translation. There has never been the slightest doubt. Thank you. In my mind, that the God who started this great work in you would keep it, would keep at it, and bring it to a flourishing finish. On the very day Christ Jesus appears. One more translation, the Weymouth. We're almost done. Game doesn't start till later, anyway, right? <laughs> Weymouth translation. For of this I am confident that he who has begun a good work within you will go on to perfect it in preparation for the day of Jesus Christ. Let's stop here for a moment. In preparation for a future event. When you're preparing for a future event, the future event isn't here yet. Right? When did uh the Summer uh, Olympics, the athletes in this 2020 Summer Olympics, when do they begin preparing? In April of 2020? since they were little, some of them, right? Five years old, six years old. We know a a, a couple, we knew them as kids that are gonna be swimming for um, Cape Verde, I believe, the swim team of Cape Verde. We saw them as kids, but they they would be preparing at 4.30 in the morning swimming. They'd swim for, I don't know how many hours before school and after school, they'd go swimming again, do that for years. Let's talk about preparation for your destiny. And I want to read this. I read this online, and uh, pardon me if I mispronounce her name, but it was someone's blog, Clara Liu. Anyway, she's an artist, and she was asked this question. How do you develop an idea from a sketch to a more refined and finished piece of work? How many sketches do you make, and how much detail would you include in your first draft? We're talking about your preparation for your destiny. This is what the artist said. She said, preliminary sketches are absolutely critical to creating a finished piece of artwork, preparation. And yet I see so few artists prioritizing this part of the process in their artwork. It's always surprising to me when I see artists completely bypassing preliminary sketches, preparation, entirely and just jumping blindly into a finished piece with no preparation whatsoever. Unfortunately, many artists view preliminary sketches, preparation, getting alone with God every day, as a waste of time. That gets in the way of working on the finished piece. I'm too busy, I can't spend time with God, I've got too many things to do. It's a waste of time is what I'm saying. I'm saying spending time with God is a waste of time. Is it? I beg to differ. I'm here to let you know it is the best use of your time. There is no greater investment of your time, energy, and resources than to get alone with the one who made you and spend your time in his presence, in his word. They think it's a waste of time that gets in the way of working on the finished piece. It's actually the opposite. Preliminary sketches, when done well, will actually save you many hours of unnecessary frustration and backtracking when working on the final piece. Oh, this is so good. I hope you're catching this. In fact, investing time in his presence will save you time, money, heartache, frustration, and backtracking in the future. You don't know it, but when you're spending time with God, he's working on your future. He's fixing and arranging things on you. He's equipping you, getting ready for you to step across that goal line in the Super Bowl and win. But it takes time. Any masterpiece takes time. Never has a masterpiece been done in a minute. It takes time. And even even when a a master creates something quicker than they've created before, they were in years and years of preparation to be able to do that. Creating successful preliminary sketches, preparation. Listen to this is all about making smart transitions. I want to make smart transitions into every season that God has for my life. Both in terms of scale, complexity, and focus. The process from sketch to finish should feel like a natural progression which gradually brings you to a finished work. man that's good you see god doesn't want you to be in a hurry when you're in a hurry you forget things you leave the keys on the table and you're sitting there in your car and you have to get back out of your car and go in and get your keys right when you're in a hurry you forget things you do things at a lower level of quality he doesn't want you to be in a hurry. It's going to take some time. But let me tell you, the process of walking with him is so satisfying. Yes. I don't know what's better, the, the masterpiece or the process, because he's so good. It's not like you're standing there, okay, God, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? It's like you're in his presence. He's filling you up. He's putting the color in you. He's, he's drawing the lines, and you're discovering who you really are. You're discovering how good he is, and the gifts are unfolding and developing. It's thrilling. And I, I've been in music my whole life and it, it's a discipline and I'm telling you it takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and years and weeks, months to do what we do. And it's just something you 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 have to develop and cultivate. And why did I go in that? What did I just say before that? Weren't you listening? <laughs> the, time the time it takes. Something I was gonna say, I forgot why. The process you know that's it that's it the enjoyment of the process the enjoyment of the process it's exciting when you're moving forward in your destiny oh that's right I got it I got it so you spend all this time years preparing for a performance years and the performance is like 45 minutes Yeah, and it goes by like that. And then you go back spending weeks preparing for the next one. Yeah, the process, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, the process maybe is where it's at. I don't know. It's so rich. The performance of the thing actually doesn't take near as long as the preparation, right? So here we are. We're gonna finish with this, our last scripture. But Pastor Jonathan said this last week. And it it just rocked my world. He said, to view your life from a human point of view is a trap. Oh. To look at your life, where you're at and what you're doing, what you've accomplished, whatever, from a human point of view is a trap. Because man did not make you. And man doesn't know who you really are and what you're called to do. And this is important because we can get into this comparison mode. So and so looks further along than I am. They're doing what I want to do. I wish I could do that. You're the only you God ever created. You don't need, and there's nothing wrong with a healthy competition. It can help us grow when we see someone doing something we know we're called to do. That's all right. But you don't want to let it discourage you. It should encourage you. Right? I remember when the Lord spoke to my heart about going into full-time ministry. I didn't even know what that was. It wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't in my vocabulary. I literally didn't know what it was. And it took years of time with him, unfolding inside of me what he called me to do. And I remember it got right down to the, the year that I was gonna step into full-time ministry. And I remember hearing a minister preach and, 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 and saying something along the lines though, well, you, you, you know you've been called to be up here, but it's gonna take some time. That was in 1998. How many years has that been since? 21 years. It's a lot of preparation it's worth it, it's worth it, now I did begin preaching, actually, within that first year, I became, within 98, before that year was out, I I actually, within one year, I think it was January of the following year, I had become a pastor, and I began preaching in a youth ministry, so I, it's like I was using my gift, but that just continued to unfold and develop, and, and over years, and so let's finish with this, Habakkuk 2, 3, So you wanna scrap man's timeline for your life. Let's say that. I'm gonna scrap man's timeline for my life. Who's man to tell me where I should be right now? Man, I tell you what, I'm I'm trying to stop. Barbara and Steve Arbo love this couple. They were here for Generation Summit. And they said we lived by faith our whole life and uh, I think they're in their late 60s now, mid to late 60s, I'm not sure. But they've been walking with the Lord for decades, following the Lord in full time ministry. And the Lord put it in their heart to minister in New England. And they have the sanctuary now up in, um, what's the name of New Hampshire? It's right on Lake Winnipesaukee. Is it Guilford? Yeah. They have a beautiful, historic home that's, that, that was given to them for an amazing deal. They started the same year we did. It's now paid in full, supernaturally, through faith beautiful home and property that they're using to provide a place for ministers to come to be refreshed and to pray. But they had this vision in them for, for decades. And so it came to the point five or six years ago, I don't remember where, where they um, were getting ready to, to acquire this property and someone was, people were giving them different advice, said, well, maybe you shouldn't do this as a 501c3, maybe you should do it as a business. And she said something to us that was really good when we were up there a couple of weeks ago. She said, they're counseling me to to do this as a business. She said, but I don't have any business armor. In other words, I know how to live by faith, but I haven't run businesses. That's what David said when they tried to give Saul his armor. In other words, you have a way of living. You have gifts in you that God wants to cultivate, and it's not going to work the way it worked in someone else's life. So they just did it how they've done everything else. They've done it by faith, and that thing's paid in full in five years. So you've gotta do life the way God designed you to do life. And you'll get there, you'll get there. You've gotta be true to him and true to you. Habakkuk 2.33 in the Living Bible. But these things I plan won't happen right away. That's good, because we're not ready yet. Can you imagine going to the, can you imagine me showing up at the Super Bowl? And having to quarterback for one of the teams, I don't think, I mean, that, that's not even funny. This is just, it it's, brings tears to your eyes, right? I have no idea how to play football. I have no preparation, no training. It takes time, right? You've got to prepare, you've got to train. So it's okay. We don't want it to happen right away. We want things to happen at the right time. Slowly, let's say that word together, slowly, it's a good word. Life is good when you're cruising along at a comfortable pace. You can appreciate what's going on around you instead of being stressed out. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, don't despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us so specifically. Thank you for speaking to every heart that's tuned in to this message. And giving us the encouragement and the inspiration, the provision, insight, and wisdom that each of us needs to move forward. We are not the same that we were at 9.59 this morning. You've moved us forward. And we are determined to go all the way and step into the flourishing finish you've prepared for us. In Jesus' name. If you've been feeling impatient and getting discouraged and struggling, we all can relate to that. But I want to just ask you to stand to your feet if that's you. If you've been feeling like, when is this going to happen? When is my ship coming in? Now, I want to say this to you. This is not regarding healing. Healing's already done. The things that Christ accomplished for us on the cross are yours now. You don't wait for them. You grab a hold of them declare them over your life. I'm healed. Okay? So I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the fulfillment of your calling, whatever that is. The fulfillment of your destiny. Things lining up with what God's prepared you for. Father, I pray for everyone who stood to their feet today. Holy Spirit, encourage and inspire them. Unveil to them the masterpiece that they are to you. Unveil to them their significance and meaning, the value of their lives. Unveil to them who they are in you. Help them to see their current Now, life as you see it. To see things that can't be seen with discouraged eyes, but with the eyes of faith. To see what you see, to see themselves as you see them. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow